Welcome to season two, episode 33 of Logicast, the AWS news podcast brought to you by Logicata. I'm Carl Robinson, CEO and co-founder of Logicata, and I'm joined by my colleague, uh, John Goodall. How are you doing today, John? Pregnant pause again. I it mean, was an not air so this time. Got an <laughs> air. You didn't get any <laughs> pause. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm recovering from yesterday because I was at the AWS on tour event that the developer relations i don't know what the job title is um team did that's the one um so that was that was a long day because it it was a full day of sessions um and then a networking thing in the evening and yeah so i'm recovering good so we're not getting the best of you today then is that what you're trying to say (laughs) i don't know if it'll it'll pick up on the microphone uh, I'm sure it won't. Uh, and then we're also joined today uh, by a very special guest from the AWS Community Builder Program, Igor Soroka. Uh, so, Igor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I, uh, probably I won't have this cold start uh, because I haven't been to any <laughs> events, but I'm planning to go on the AWS on tour because in Barcelona there will be uh, one, and I'm I'm happy that I can can go there. But they mismatched the address, and it's hard to find actually. So it's a riddle, you know, we need to find out what's the place. Oh, I see. Maybe that's why there wasn't many people there at the London one then, John, because they couldn't find it. (laughs) Well, it was funny because there was not a huge number of people for the sessions. And Matthias did kind of admit that they dropped the ball on on the promotion and the marketing and what have you. And then the evening comes around for the networking special and the place just filled up. There was like 30, 40 people. I mean, well, there was no pizza. Oh, it was it was no not pizza. pizza. It was food, oh. but it was not pizza. So there was like chicken salads and cheese and crackers, and it was all very posh. Oh. Not the usual meetup fair. Oh well, I'm, I'd be interested to see their feedback forms then. So uh, whether that went down well or not. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Igor, tell us a bit about yourself. What do you where, where do you come from? What do you do for a living? Um, I'm I'm from Finland, and uh, I have spent there. Uh, um, many years uh, working as a software developer slash engineer. Then I have started um, as a contractor freelancer basis. Uh, I have been working with uh, global antivirus companies like F-Secure from Finland. It's one of the uh, most known there um, uh, cybersecurity firms, which was kind of awesome to to be into the space even before the COVID hype and when everybody started from every fridge, there was a, some discussions that we need more cybersecurity. And uh, from there, uh, I started working remotely, uh, decided to move to Barcelona. And uh, recent year I spent with the UK clients and um, uh, hoping to improve the e-commerce in the in the UK with the Lambdas and event-driven architectures, which are my main focus. And uh, yeah, I'm AWS Cloud Expert uh, with seven certificates already. The latest one is Cybersecurity One, which is a security specialty. So I'm a big fan of badges and this kind of things. I think we have a discussion about this today. So yeah, thank you. Two questions for you. Two questions for you then. One, does the F of F Secure stand for Finland? Uh, I think so. Yes, no, they yeah, are trying okay. to change it. They're trying to change it. It was like in uh, '95 or something, the the start of the company. Uh, but it it was uh, it was interesting that how the company redeveloped themselves and made a made a bigger effort on the cloud and became not only experts in the consulting cybersecurity one, but also like uh, more home based products for the B two C and everything. But 
it's uh, it's evolving thing. I would say it's it's not Nokia, but Nokia is a, is also another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. I've learned something. I didn't know F Secure was a Finnish company, and I never knew what the F stood for. So I've definitely learned something today. It's always good to learn something new every day. The other question I had for you is: you got seven certifications. That only leaves five. Will we be seeing Igor Soroka in a gold jacket anytime soon? I think it won't fit me right because uh, golden <laughs> is not my thing, and I'm not in LA. You know, <laughs> maybe it's not 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 so well suited for where I'm hanging out. So I think it'd look uh, great no, on the no. beach in Barcelona, to be honest. <laughs> it will be reflecting the sun at least definitely which is, yeah which yeah. is quite cool um I'm, I'm not planning now because i think the main problem that the specialty exams they are shorter in the duration so it's, it's it should be like done in one year basically in one go almost um i would say i'm planning to get into networking because it's super important and databases one is also one of the my one one of the focuses for myself well, we'll keep an eye on your social channels, Igor, and uh, see how those certs keep coming along. Um, anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about uh, Igor's Barcelona beachwear. Um, as uh, regular listeners to the podcast will know, um, we are here to talk about AWS news. So once a week, I uh, collate a list of AWS news, which I share via my weekly AWS News Roundup newsletter. Uh, then John and I, uh, together with our guest, uh, pick a subset of those articles that we would like to talk about on the podcast. Um, so the first article we'd like to talk about this week um, is a post on the AWS Compute blog entitled AWS SAM support for HashiCorp Terraform now generally available. And I think, John, we did speak about this um, a little while ago when it went into preview. Um, yeah. But uh, now that it has gone into general availability, I guess it's worth talking about again. Um, and I know it's something that Igor is keen to talk about as well. So, Igor, why don't you start us off uh, on this one uh, about the uh, AWS SAM support for Terraform? Yeah, I think the main important here that Sam uh, supports Terraform and makes the Terraform is also one of the focuses for AWS. And I think a uh, couple of things which are important, like interesting here, that for example, Terraform changed the licensing. That means that uh, do they did they think about already the uh, complications on or confusion which could. Uh, take it uh, or not. It's it's an interesting, I think, topic to discuss. So, what do you think? Will will the Terraform change the licensing? Really, like, I mean, the support of the SAM will it somehow be changed because of the licensing? What do you think? No, I don't think so. So, the license thing, I don't want to get into it in any great depth because that's it's just a big can of worms. But the short version is, unless you're building something on top of Terraform, you're not impacted as it currently stands. The way I read this is not that Sam is using Terraform per se. It's that Sam is able to do local invocations for Terraform managed resources, a set of them, not, not like everything. But if you've deployed your Lambda through Terraform, one, you have my sympathies because that's horrible. Um, but <laughs> Sam can do local invoke for that. So, I mean, as you say, AWS has kind of shown a bit of a commitment to HashiCorp to an extent. Yeah. Terraform is one of their tools, and certainly at the sessions yesterday, people were using Terraform in some of the sessions and talking about it, and they're a key partner and all that jazz. So it it feels like growth from AWS, and I probably said this when it came out in preview and we were speaking about it back then, that they've accepted that people will want to use tools that aren't their tools, but they still kind of need to meet their customers where they are. 
And in some cases, that's doing things with Terraform that I think you shouldn't do, but doing things with Terraform and then giving you the ability to run those things locally using their frameworks that they've built. I think this makes um, Sam more um, approachable for the wider community, for the wider community of developers who are using not only AWS tools. So you're not, you don't need to use just CDK or CloudFormation. You you can use whatever you're using. In this case, Terraform, which is I think great. Uh, but one other important thing which I noticed here that. Uh, in the general availability, they, they want to use the serverless.tf uh, uh, open source uh, implementation for serverless, which made by Anton Babenko. And uh, it's a great open source initiative. He has made so many different modules for Terraform to improve the uh, developer experience of developing with Terraform. Uh, but they made it with a highly opinionated uh, framework. I would say that which is seems strange. So they will put it into more of the focus. That just use the serverless.tf. You cannot use the just no, that's normal. Not true. That's not true. So um it says this, it's a little bit buried, I'll give you that, but it's kind mm -hmm. of a throwaway line. The blog uses serverless TF so that they don't have to write so much code and boilerplate okay. code and it makes the blog easier to digest and all the rest of it. But you can go off and use native Terraform resources. You've just got to do the legwork and do a bit of digging. Um, the opinionated thing is a funny one for me because Terraform is one of the least opinionated tools out there, which means you have to make the most decisions. SAM is a fairly opinionated tool, which means you're not making the decisions. So I don't think it's it's out of character for them to use an opinionated tool with an opinionated tool. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Uh, but I think that's uh, using some CLI, uh, it's, it's kind of cool, uh, great to use it because um, you can start your local development and try API gateways. I really enjoyed that it supports this authorizers, for example, and uh, mock events for the authorizers, I mean, together and uh, I think also that which Sam could detect a couple of functions if there are many, if you're there are not not only one, so you can choose what what functions are there. And uh, I think it's pretty easy to set up because they use uh, Sam config or you can do it through like Sam CLI. And if you are a seasoned professional with Sam, you already know how to how to do all these things because it's supported uh, in a similar fashion. So. I think uh, one other thing which I really enjoy that it uses the SAM logs and you can check logs from your local machine and tail them, uh, which I really think like it. And um, yeah, I think it, it will make it closer to the way that you can still use Terraform and do local development and it will accelerate your local development with the, uh, with the support of Terraform. Because for example, uh, I have used SAM even with CDK, which was also very valuable for local development and developing some of the features. But I think in similar fashion in the, like using Terraform, uh, I think it's also kind of neat way of um, improving the developer experience. So I think they to put more for push more forward this thing, but it's interesting, as you said, that having the customer feedback, so who will be really using it uh, or will, will they? I guess we'll say. Did it come up at the uh, the tour day yesterday? Uh, this specifically, no. Um, local development of serverless a little bit, to be honest, because people talk about testing frameworks and things. And it's like, yes, we hear you. It's getting better. It's coming. Yada yada yada. And uh, do you think they'll support the uh, 
the open source fork of uh, Terraform. I forget what that's called. Uh, open yeah. TF. I mean, Open TF yeah. at the minute is just a manifesto. So it's not even mm. a proper fork. And I mean, yeah, they forked the code now, but it's still weeks to months away from being viable. Mm-hmm. And the other question I have, uh, sort of on topic, but uh, why is Sam a squirrel? Why not? Mm, I suppose so. But uh, yeah, the sticker. I do like the sticker for Sam. It's a squirrel. But I'm uh, just wondering how, how Sam got to be a squirrel. Uh, I think Eric Johnson just loves squirrels. Maybe this is the, the point. He's uh, I mean, the biggest advocate that, of Sam, at least. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they are they are pretty cute. I have a lot of them in my local park, and people do tend to stand around staring at them for a while. So, uh, yeah. Um, it's alliterative, you know, Sam the squirrel. Sam squirrel, the squirrel's yeah. called Sam. Yeah. Well, I think I they need hope... to they, they need to propagate it more like the Sam the squirrel. I, I mm. like it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could include it in the continuation of the cloud quest. Uh, with Sam the Sam Sam the the squirrel, you can. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that's why it is a squirrel because the squirrel will be an animated character in. Uh, AWS training coming to you uh, soon. So, so, um, so it'll be like, you know, AWS universe, like, like DC or Mar- Marvel, and there will be like these characters. <laughs> this will be super fun because services and frameworks, they need more of these kind of things because how many do we have? More than 200 and also all these tools which are supporting. So it would be great to, to see this kind of development into graphical are there, um, So are there any other... Uh, characters in animal form for other products or is sam squirrel the only one i don't it's know the only one i know of certainly in aws mm. like golang has a gopher um there's uh, a raccoon for various microsoft things um mm. well maybe we need to investigate that and uh, and and delve a bit deeper on another episode anyway let's move on now from uh, sam terraform and squirrels uh, to our second article for this week um, which is uh, from the aws cloud operations and migrations blog um, and the title is centralized dashboard for aws config and security hub so this is very much a how to the article walks you through how to set up a uh, centralized dashboard for config and security hub uh, but i guess it's worth starting with a couple of definitions john uh, what are config and security hub and why might you want to see uh, their output in a centralized dashboard do i need to define that could you define that hang on who's got I... security specialty <laughs> <laughs> I have. okay I have. Yeah, yeah yeah so i have been using um, aws config by myself and that's uh, that's a great service which you can use for detecting uh, what is compliant and what's not compliant in your um, in your um, AWS infrastructure. For example, the easiest case would be something related to your S3 buckets. It's super fast and super rapid that you will have this uh, many S3 buckets and you need to to have a conformity. You need them unified, they are set up. So that's why uh, AWS config comes into into hand and you can just use it uh, with the rules to to remediate the problem. So, for example, if your S3 bucket is public, uh, then you can do it uh, to remediate and it will be scanning the whole S3 bucket things and uh, do something with it. Also, AWS config is a very flexible thing because it uses Lambda underneath. So, AWS config could trigger the Lambda, which could do something with your infrastructure, which is not typical or not provided by the AWS. Um, I think 
in the end, AWS Config is super powerful service, uh, ser service for many things and especially for compliance and to make your uh, infrastructure <laughs> a better place, uh, not, not having the uh, weird configurations or uniform something which should create a different teams, I think, for um, for big corporates, for example, who are having different providers, it's super handy to have this kind of AWS Config to, to make ev everything more more uniformed uh, with the security hub is the uh, is the other service I haven't been using it personally and I don't know anyone who was using it to be honest <laughs> so... we've spoken about it a bit because um, they came out with some services to help um, like the insurance sector dude with cyber insurance so we spoke about it a bit on on here before but the short version i mean it says it in the in the article is it's um just a service that gives you a snapshot view of the state of your uh, estate gives you a score from zero to 100 for various standards that you've enabled that's the short version it's, yeah it's and i think it's it's, it's also yeah it also estimates your uh ranking in terms of security for AWS best practices which i think together with trusted advisor is is also great uh great uh, service for the um also compliance and checks and like financial industry they are uh super uh keen on on checking their infrastructure all the time and having this periodically so <clears throat> i think this article shows uh Quite straightforward way actually to make your set, uh, make your services like make your accounts and they are set up for uh, config and for security hub uh, to make it in the one dashboard. I think it's uh, it's pretty cool because like uh, most of the companies they will have uh, five, ten, twenty, fifty accounts and they need to have all the all them unified in one dashboard. I think um, it's it's pretty neat. Yeah, and I think it comes down to the user persona because I've definitely come across people using Security Hub, but I think it tends to be more your C-level person who's going to want to log in and have a look and go, hmm, excuse me, development team, why uh, are we not doing very well in Security Hub? Or well done, development team, we seem to be doing very well. So I think it's more kind of business information um, that uh, you know your CISO or your CTO or your CEO is going to be interested in taking a look at uh, to then kind of push back on the on the development team to say, Come on, guys. We need to uh, to increase our scores here. What can we do to to increase the scores? So, uh, I think they should add the the configuration to to use uh, C SCS for email sending uh, for the CTOs or CEOs <laughs> to nudge their team for a low performance. So it will be kind of also <laughs> alerting you. It's it's down uh, more uh, less than fifty. Then you go and send the email. Why not? Nigeria development team. I do take a little bit of an issue with this article, just to bring the note down a little bit. Because what they're showing, great to do, definitely go off and build it. Why are we having to build it? Why isn't it a service that exists? Yeah, I mean, it may well be. Uh, and if AWS get that feedback from enough customers, then maybe they will go and build it. Uh, and of course, it is on the AWS blog. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're aware there, of it. There is definitely a theme of you'll get um, a blog on here's something you can do, then it'll turn into prescriptive guidance, and then it'll turn into a pre-rolled solution that you can, here's the template, you go and deploy it yourself or work with a partner or hire someone off of IQ because it's IQ, yeah, because it's it's kind of a small job, and then it will just turn into something that they that they offer anyway. So there's definitely a theme of that, but every time this sort of thing comes out and says, here's a cool thing you could build, 
I thought your whole shtick was taking away undifferentiated heavy lifting. There's two different lambdas in here that are going to do the same thing for everyone. Just build it yourself. Yeah. And I guess if enough people build it, they will. Um, you know, but if nobody wants it, then why bother? So uh, maybe it's a way of testing the water. I don't know. Here's the instructions. Oh, loads of people have taken up the instructions. Therefore, it's popular. Therefore, let's go build. Um, yeah, they can they can estimate how popular it is by, for example, by stars on GitHub. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. the, second, the second thing, they can see the forks also. And I think it's important that they give this kind of way that it's not again opinionated. I think that's the word of the of the issue today. So I, I think they give you kind of freedom to choose your tools or to to change something or. If you don't like, I, what's the language there? Is it using Go or Python? I don't know, like Lambdas. I mean, you can use it in different language if you want, or you can use similar techniques and just improve it. I think it, they give freedom also. So, which is I mean, I'd, ra I'd rather this than giving money to Splunk. Other large and expensive providers are available, um, <laughs> but that's kind of the point, right? It's yeah. I get annoyed that AWS prattle on about taking away the undifferentiated heavy lifting on one hand and then in their blogs tell you how to do some of the undifferentiated heavy lifting that they said they were going to do it just it just doesn't sit right with me it just never has never will but yeah it's an interesting point it is because as, as as we sort of said there's no guarantee that anyone actually cares people should care but there's no guarantee that anyone does yeah, thanks, John, for this pessimistic view. But I think it's 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 good for having the full picture because maybe we're yeah. optimistic. You know, it's good more freedom, but freedom is more responsibility. We you know. Indeed. So we mentioned Go a couple of times already uh, in this uh, this episode, and the next article we have um, is about uh, how AWS Lambda has deprecated the Go runtime. So does this mean that the Go Gopher has gone? <laughs> that's not testing your pop filter is it <laughs> this is a funny one so um our, the speaker at our last event actually brought this up as well so it's definitely kind of on the mind of serverless developers as i understand it the go runtime has been deprecated in favor of what have they called it provided al2 which is almost running on bare metal inside the lambdas because go is designed to run on bare metal it doesn't do well with virtualization so that kind of feels like what they've done here. People are going to get kind of a bit up in arms and a bit annoyed about it because they're going to have to redo some of the tooling and redo their build pipelines to an extent. Um, but what they're saying, I mean, the article's kind of quoting it out as most uh, InfoQ articles do, it just kind of quotes out to a whole bunch of other things, is the price performance is getting, you know, a third better. It'll work on Graviton now where it wouldn't before. Um, it aligns with other things that compile down to native code, so compiles to an executable like Rust and C++. So it's kind of aligning it more with it from an architectural perspective rather than from a preferred runtime perspective, I think. I think I agree with you, John, with the, with the point about having it on the bare metal like i think it's like a go is a uh is created for performance so i think they try to to be aligned with this as uh, with c plus plus and rust and I, I think this could be beneficial for some people but for some of the professionals it would be horrible as you said to redo the ci cds pipelines and everything so this uh, this comes as contradictory 
points there, which which is in this article that they are saying that somebody is super happy, somebody is not happy, but uh, in the end, it makes uh, lambdas faster, which is which is a great thing. So to reduce the cold starts, to improve the efficiency, I think that's 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 a good sign. But does it mean that they would try to do the same with Python, for example, or, or any other languages? That's my question. <laughs> Won't I, they I mean, try to do something so. similar? I don't think so, right? Because if you think think about Golang, you think about Rust and C plus plus. I try and avoid thinking or talking about Rust, but I've said it several times now. Um, they compile down to native code, right? You get a binary at the end of it. Yep. Uh, with Python, you don't. It's a script. Yes. It's an it's you know it's a script. Same with um, JavaScript and TypeScript and all the rest of it. They might get transpiled or compiled a little bit, but it's a script at the end of the day. Go, you compile it and you get a binary. Binaries don't sit in virtualization stacks very neatly. So I don't think it's going to happen to something like Python because even if you run Python on bare metal, you're installing Python and it's being the script is being interpreted by Python. It's no faster doing that than it is running through a Python container, which fundamentally is what Lambda's doing. I, I agree, John. I think it's it's cool that you mentioned this because I'm just when we are talking, I'm thinking about Node.js, Python, and uh, for example, Ruby. And I, I think that Python and Node.js are very, very popular, and also uh, Java, of course. And I think the the core offering of uh, Lambda functions that you can run Python, uh, JavaScript, and uh, Java without uh, running servers, and that's that's super cool of it. So you don't need uh, to write as much of an infrastructure code or do dockers or something like that. And I think uh, they also try to simplify life for themselves uh, in order to support less languages, maybe to improve uh, the older ones, to yeah. improve the, the way how they will be supporting new environments for Node.js, for example, uh, because I have been using Lambdas mostly with Python or uh, JavaScript. I think they are still lacking for maybe TypeScript support better or using... Well, uh, TypeScript runs this. in Node.js, but yeah, the build support is a bit kind of hit and miss because it's a, if you look at something like um, SAM, ES build will run natively in your template for the Lambda, but if you've got any code or anything in um, a layer, which I know you're kind of not meant to do that, but obviously everybody does it, um, yeah. you have to write your own make files and do it yourself. So. Yes. I mean, there was also a lot of criticism from the community about how long it took to get updated Python support and updated Node.js versions and all the rest of it. So maybe by taking away one of these things, it frees resources up to keep the um, other environments more up to date more frequently. Cool. Well, I'm going to make an executive decision now, and I'm going to skip the cloud cost article because we spoke about cost last week, um, and uh, we're, we're getting short on time. So I'm going to jump straight ahead um, to our final article for this week. Um, you mean is, you're skipping the register? I'm skipping L Reg. Sorry, L Reg, uh, but you 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 feature regularly on our podcast, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on again sometime soon. There's so, going to be a very uh, angry man at your door, no doubt, very soon. <laughs> Well, his name's Dan Robinson. I don't think he's any relation, um, but uh, yeah. 
not that I'm aware of anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I'm skipping straight on to the uh, the last article we chose for this week, which is on the AWS training and certification blog. And the title is Seeking a Cloud Job, Stand Out with a Digital Badge from AWS Education Programs. Um, so uh, we uh, we spoke briefly about your certification uh, track at, at the beginning. Um, Igor, John and I uh, both have certifications as well. Um, I think this article is really talking more about the kind of entry level um, and in getting people at the kind of while they're still in uh, full-time education or while they're looking to switch careers, um, you know, from a, from a, from a non-technical role um, into technical. Um, so there's a number of programs that, uh, that AWS are offering for that. Um, so uh, who would like to talk about it? Either of you want to talk through those? Yeah, I can come in. Um, the, the only a couple of things I wanted to pick on here, because I don't necessarily agree with the premise of the article. Yes. Training is important. Yes. The, uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics reckons that um, in the next kind of 10 years or so, computing and cloud and all the rest of it is going to grow in terms of a sector for employment much faster than everybody else. But we've been saying that for months and the industry has been saying that for decades. So that's not new. What I disagree with is uh, digital badges being useful, even for kind of early career job switches and all the rest of it, um, beyond a nice little well done, I've, I've done a thing off my own back. Because if I were to go and put, and maybe it's because I'm a senior engineer, but if I was to go and put, I've done the serverless training, here's my digital badge, no one's going to care. No one's going to care. I think it depends. <laughs> I think somebody will care. Uh, I think that sometimes it could be useful. But also one other thing which I'm thinking about is this: the more badges we have for the achievements in this cloud um uh, cloud field yes the less they cost basically so for example 12 certifications means 12 badges super cool even cloud practitioner was cool it's now even black which i really like i think for business people it's like looks posh and nice and uh, you know kind of classic <laughs> like like buying porsche you have to update your cloud <laughs> Is it? Yeah, uh, I think I did update my signature to the uh, to the newest versions of the badges. <laughs> you know, you know me. Yes, I have the black badge uh, in my email signature, John. So uh, I always like to stay current with uh, the latest generation badges and icons. So it should be no surprise to you that I have the correct one in my email signature. I don't even have an email signature. <laughs> I can I can uh, design one for you if you like. <laughs> um. So I wanted to say that um, the more we have, the more confusion it will take. So what does it mean serverless, serverless computing badge, for example? Is it a certification? Did you pay for it? Did you go for some authorized training and you, you uh, checked it with the helpful resources? I mean, mm. for example, what's cool about the certificates? You go and you're controlled. You're doing it in controlled fashion. Of course, there are people who, who possibly can fake it, but everything could be kind of faked, of course. But I mean, going to the certificates, yeah, you're going to either the test center or somebody's controlling you through webcam. So you have kind of assertion, but with this kind of the more badges we have, for example, okay, education programs, they are good because they are probably done with the mentors and instructors, something like that, super nice. But for example, with, uh, as you said, serverless computing, 
what's the value of it? Of course, it's it's cool now, but like in five years, we'll have not only serverless computers, but I think now already now there are how many of them? Like for object storage, there is there are two for databases, there are two, and it means that it it uh, I think it, it will create confusion. Of course, for People who want to get a job, it would be super great to have service computing, database specialty, also uh, some of these education programs, uh, super nice. But on the other hand, um, from the hiring manager perspective, it would be harder to distinguish the person who got this by going to certificate or just go into AWS uh, training and certificate portal and just do the service computing, which could be done, uh, I don't know, in any any place yeah it's, so, it's the sort of the putting thing. a certificate of completion on your linkedin profile or, or whatever it's well done you finished a course it doesn't mean you actually absorbed anything you just sat there and listened to it um yeah i mean it the article is saying that it has helped people and helping people is great but as you say i, I do worry that it muddies the waters and blurs the lines a bit between a proctored exam that's hard because like the pro exams are hard not many people have them <laughs> It, it's a challenge to work up to them versus a digital badge that isn't necessarily that difficult to attain. I don't know, maybe it is difficult for a, a complete newbie. And this is my bias showing through because I've been doing this for years. But it's an interesting one because certainly from a non-technical hiring manager perspective, they're not going to know the difference. Not really. Yes, that's the point. And that was also while we're talking about this, I'm thinking that, for example... Uh, could we imagine the world where Oxford will have their own digital badge for <laughs> master's degree program, program completed? Or well, some MIT other big have university. been putting their course. MIT have put their courses online for years, but they never yeah, offer yeah. them as like a certified thing. It's just here's yeah. the materials if you want to go learn it, but we're not going to certify you in it. I think at some point we'll have universities doing the same badges because badges it's also like 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 short video clips. They are easy to digest, mm. you know. Yeah, and as the younger generations are coming through that have been used to earning coins in video games and things like that, then badges, you know, uh, appeal to them. Badges. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. I, so uh, yeah. I think we will have with, uh, I think the, the KWS and other providers, uh, they are starting this uh, this uh, interesting path where we are having no diplomas, but we will have uh, badges. So Lots of badges. Yeah, yeah lots I, of badges, I love it. Yeah. I love going to conferences like reInvent where you get the lanyard and then you can just go and collect pins yep. from all the exhibitors. And uh, some people spend all day collecting pins. <laughs> you have their whole lanyard just covered in pins. Not quite the same, but uh, just goes to show that we are a bit like magpies when it comes to We like shiny <laughs> things. Uh, let's go and collect shiny things. Um, anyway, we have uh, come to the end of our time for this week. So it's been a really great discussion. Uh, thank you so much, Igor, for joining us and for sharing your insights. And thank you, John, as always. Uh, uh, got it in at the end there. Uh, for uh, for your insights um that was uh, season two episode 33 of logicast the aws news podcast brought to you by logicata check us out we're on youtube uh, we're available to download from wherever you get your podcasts um so please download listen and subscribe we'll be back next week with another episode of logicast for you so thank you for listening see you again next time <laughs>